Our reading this morning is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 12. At Village, the Bible is central to everything we do. The Bible is God's primary way of speaking to his people, and it shapes everything we believe in and everything we do. The Bible is God's word, his gift to us, the church. Because of this, after I finish reading, I will say, this is the word of the Lord, and we will all respond together, thanks be to God. So, let's hear the Lord speak to us this morning from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 to 12. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honourable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Rebecca. Um, Yeah, I know things are a little bit weird at the minute, and and we hope that... uh, Things will get back to normal soon. Uh, it feels like the community is quite disjointed. I don't know. I'm sure we all feel that. I can take my mask off and I'm up here. Um, I'm sure we all feel that things are a bit disjointed at the minute, but hopefully, um, even in the midst of that, that, that we can take care of each other and love each other and serve each other. Um, I'm sure you've all found ways to do that. Um, yesterday, some of our MC went to the, pic- the park for a picnic, which was lovely because we were outside. Um, hopefully, you can all do stuff like that. Um, and really, that's what, that's what these, these kind of last two weeks and today have all been about, like uh, who we are as a people, who we are as, as village, uh, what we believe, where we, where we believe what we believe and how we practice that. Um, and so we started looking at this, our vision statement, which is really what we want to be as a church. Um, so I think it's on the screen there, and, and, and I'll just remind us of it again uh, before we get into it today. Uh, Village Church Belfast desires to be a gospel-shaped community of people who, who, who the three things, love Jesus, each other, and our city. That, those are the key things as we join God in the renewal of all things. And, and this, um, I've said this the last couple of weeks, and I'll say it again, uh, it bears repeating, it's, it's worth repeating. It's not, we, we, we didn't just come up with that out of thin air. Um, it's built on these three building blocks that the, that the Bible shows us that the church is about. So the first one is the gospel. Uh, we desire to be a gospel-shaped community of people who love Jesus. That's the gospel. Um, and, and then secondly, that the village desires to be a gospel-shaped community of pe- people who love Jesus and each other. That's community. And then the third thing is that we desire to be a gospel-shaped community who love Jesus, each other, and our city of Belfast as we join God in the renewal of all things. Um, that's mission. And, and hopefully uh, what we've come to see over the, the past couple of weeks is that, that, that these three things is where the church, that we, the church, find our purpose. Uh, it's what we're here for. It's who we are. Um, and it's really in these, when these three things come together, gospel, community, and mission, that we see what the church is. Um, I have that next slide, uh, Ethan, the triangle one. Yeah. So, I mean, I've kind of tried to visualize it like this. So, so God is doing things in the world. We know that. God is renewing the world. He's redeeming it. He's reclaiming it. The world, we know. You don't need the Bible to tell you that the world, there's something wrong in the world, that things aren't always right and good. Um, and so we know that God is about renewing the world and recreating the world and, 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 and redeeming the world. 
And that's what God is doing in the world. And we, the church, join in with that, that we are God's people and we're joining in with that. And so it's as these three things, gospel, uh, we, we uh, love Jesus, community as we love each other, and mission as we love our city, love the world around us, as those three things come together, that we join God in what he's doing in the world. That's the mission of the church. And so uh, two weeks ago, we looked at the gospel. And hopefully, uh, you know, you can't probably be in village without hearing the gospel um, the gospel is simply the message, the good news, that Jesus uh, died, was buried, rose again, ascended to heaven. And then we looked at, well, what does that mean, actually? It, why is that good news? It's because that, that when we believe in him, that, that we are raised from death to life in him, with him, right? We, we, were, we've, we've, we've been, we were spiritually dead, and now we're spiritually alive. And, and, and not only that, that the gospel isn't the thing that just gives us life. It's the thing that shapes our life. It's the thing that sustains our life. So we looked at how we apply the gospel to every area of our lives, you know, um, uh, how we are with our neighbors and friends, how we are at home, all these, how we, how we uh, approach our work, how we approach people in need, all those kinds of things. And that's why the gospel is the most important part of who we are. It's the foundation, if you like. I think I put it, yeah, I, th- yeah, I put it on the bottom there because it's the foundation that the other two are built on. And then last week we looked at community. How the church is, is part of what God has always been doing in the world. That when we, when we believe in Jesus, we don't just have an individual faith, right? We're, we're brought into his people. We are God's people. And we're going to even see a little bit of that today from the passage that Rebecca read for us. It's that, 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 that God has always been, we showed this like from the very beginning, that God has always been creating a people to know him and enjoy him together. That's, that's who we are um, and then we saw this example of, of from, from Acts chapter 2, which we're also going to look at today again, uh, how, how that community was shaped. It, the things that distinguish it was they were, they were devoted to Jesus. They were devoted to each other. They were prayerfully expecting God to do amazing things. They were committed to one another. They were being generous. They were caring for the poor. They had togetherness. And then the very last part of that is that they were missional. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. See, mission is the last one of these three uh, building blocks. Not that it's any less important. It's it's an equal part of who we are. It's just the last one that we've chosen to uh, to, to look at: gospel, community, and mission. And now, when when I say mission, and we talk about mission a lot in village, don't we? We have missional communities. So maybe when I say mission, it it can conjure up all kinds of ideas, right? And I'm sure we all have some, at least some various varying idea of that. Christian mission. I don't mean mission as in like SAS going on it. I don't mean that. But like maybe you think of like this, the classic missionary kind of thing. Um, you know, like a, someone going to uh, an Amazonian tribe to, 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 to tell them about Jesus or, you know, like, um, you know, a doctor going off to Africa and, and uh, he, he, curing, or curing people, but like treating people and sharing the gospel and all that kind of stuff. And that is part of it and that can be mission. Or maybe you think of like, you know, um, the, the guys down in Corn Market, you know, standing on the street corner shouting and, and handing out uh, leaflets and so on. Or maybe you think of, depending on your church upbringing, maybe you think of like some awkward kind of uh, outreach event um, that you have to bring your, 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 your friends to um, or something like that. It can have all kinds of connotations. Um, but what, what I want to do this morning is show that the mission for the church is something that's a little bit more ingrained in who we are. It's a little bit more intuitive than any of those things. You see, I think over the years, mission has become a a, a negative term for us. Like, if I say you have to be on mission, like, we all get a wee bit 
nervous and scared even, and it's awkward, and, and, and it shouldn't be that way. Mission has become something that we do, right? We're going to go and do mission today, rather than something that it's who we are. The gospel and community and mission are part of our identity, and that's what I want to show this morning. I want us to, to help us understand that the church doesn't just do mission, that the church is missional in its very nature. In other words, mission isn't just something we do, it's part of who we are. That's what I want to show us this morning. It's not something that we do. It's not something we take time out of our week to go and do or, or we spend an hour a month doing mission. It's just, it's just part of who we are and really because it's part of who God is. And so hopefully, um, my prayer is, and when I was thinking about this stuff this week, that we would, we, we would all kind of grasp this vision that mission is part of who God is and therefore it's part of who we are. And so we can all go away and, and be missional in a, in a, in a Jesus-centered way, in a in a a way that God has created us for, and a way that, that God is in himself, and in a way that, that doesn't make us think, oh, that's weird. It's just something that we do. It's, it's as simple as loving your neighbors. It's as simple as caring for the poor. It's as simple as telling people about the hope that we have in Jesus, and that's what mission really is. And, that, and that's kind of what we saw um, at the, like, as we looked at Acts chapter 2 last week, and this picture of what the church looked, at, looked like. And it's so important that I want to go back to it again. Uh, Acts chapter 2, and as we explored what God's community looks like, what this gospel-shaped community looks like, um, it, we see something particular about mission. So let me, let me just read this for us again to remind us of this wee snapshot of like the church, or the Bible gives us of what, this is what the church is. And it says this, this is Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 47, I think, yep, there we go. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, that means that they were just going to the temple courts as a place to meet and hang out. And breaking the bread in their homes... They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added that to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, I'm not going to go in and break that down. If you, we, we did that last week, so you can go back and listen again online if you missed that. Um, but when we look at that uh, snapshot of Christian community, there's a few things that, that defines them. And, and I think when we see this, it doesn't really fit our modern mold of church, does it? Um, it doesn't sound like the kind of churches that maybe you grew up in, or it certainly doesn't sound like, you know, the, the common perception of what the church is, you know? If you ask someone, what's church? They'll be like, oh, you know, it's this building, it's where there's, you know, see here um, in Acts chapter 2. So what do we see? We see this community of people that are just glued together by the Holy Spirit, like causing them to love one another, causing them to be committed to the teaching, causing them to be committed to togetherness and serving the poor and making sure that nobody had need. It's not an institution. It's not just contained by four walls or nice architecture. It's just a community of believers who, who love each other and are reaching out to them, those around them. And one of the key parts of this community that I didn't really go into any detail last week is it, it's the very end here that is mentioned. And this is what it says. Let me remember, it's still on the screen. Verse 47. They were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
Something's happening here that, that is causing uh, them, to, for, for the world to see them favorably, probably because they were helping the poor and so on. And then something else is happening where, where actually people are be joining their community. People are becoming part of that. And why is this happening? Well, you see, what happens when we are a community like this is it's not only that we experience God and that we see God, but, but those outside the community see God. Why? Because as we love each other and serve each other and submit to one another and forgive each other and pursue one another, just by living this way that God has called us to live, we show the world who God is. Like I have, not hundreds, but I have stories of people who have, who have become Christians and become part of a village because they've first experienced that community and seen how we love each other, seen how we serve each other, seen how we mess up, yeah, but how we forgive each other. And when the church functions in the way that, that God intended it to function, it's a picture of the gospel. The church is God's primary plan for mission. The church is God's, it's the way God has chosen to, 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 to push his kingdom out and to advance his kingdom out into the world. Because it's through the community, it's through this church community, loving each other in the way we're supposed to, that the world around us sees Jesus. And we don't think of that. We think of church as something that we go to. We think of, well, I have my Christian church friends and then, uh, you know, six other days of the week or maybe in our case, if you're part of a missional community, that you have five other days of the week. We don't see these people and church is very much something you do. But that's not what church is meant to be. We're supposed to be a community of people who love each other in such a way that the people around us, our friends, are like, hey, I might not agree with everything you say you believe, but I know that you love each other and I know that you love me. That's the challenge for us. And so we invite people into our community. We invite people, it's difficult at the minute, but we can do this in some ways. We invite people into our homes. We invite people to share meals with us. We invite people to, 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 to eat our food and, and spend time with our kids and whatever it might look like for you. And this is what Peter is trying to communicate in the passage that Rebecca read for us in 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, if you have your Bible, just keep it open there because we're going to kind of dip in on out of this passage. First Peter chapter 2. Peter, uh, Peter was one of the apostles of uh, Jesus and, and he's actually part of this church in Acts chapter 2. Peter was one of the pastors. He's one of the original guys around. And, 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 and when he's writing this letter later on in the Bible that, we've, that Rebecca read, he's writing to, to these Jewish Christians, i.e. people who were Jews and then have come to follow the way of Jesus. And they're scattered all throughout the Roman Empire at the time. And, and they don't really feel like they fit in. This is, what, this is what Peter's trying to say. He's saying you probably don't fit in because you're not Jews anymore. You're not going to the temple and you're not like, uh, yeah, you're Jewish ethnically, but you're not, you're not practicing the Jewish laws and all that kind of stuff. And then they, they don't feel like they fit in with like the Roman Empire either because uh, their beliefs in Jesus, it gives them a completely different value set and an outlook in life and a, and a new way of doing things. And this is why Peter refers to them as, as exiles and sojourners. They're like refugees. In a sense, that's what we are. In a sense, we are refugees. In a sense, we're sojourners like nomads. We haven't reached our home yet. We will, but we don't really fit in the world. Peter is saying, and God has said to us this morning, your, your, kingdom, uh, your kingdom is not any kingdom of this world. Your, your tribe is not any tribe of this world. You have a totally different identity now. We touched on this last week as well. 
And I think we can see three things. And this is what I want us to look at as we consider mission and who we are. We, we see who we are, uh, what our purpose is, and how we fulfill that purpose. Who we are, what our purpose is, and how we fulfill that purpose. So firstly then, who we are. Because who we are is, is completely tied up in this idea of mission. Remember, we can't separate gospel, community, and mission. They're like three cords of, of a rope braided together that make this rope the church, which is those three cords of gospel, community, and mission braided together. Um, and so Peter is writing to these Jewish Christians, and he uses this Jewish language to describe them. So we need to maybe have a, a little look at that and help us to understand who we are. So firstly, he's telling them that he's like, you have a new family. You've been adopted into God's family. Your inheritance is now the kingdom of God, not, not your Jewish heritage. Same way for us, like our inheritance is now this, the, the inheritance of the kingdom of God, not, not whatever uh, family line we're from or, or, or tradition that we come from. And so the first thing he says to them is that, that we are a chosen race. You are a chosen race. Now, what does that mean? Well, that's a, that's a very Jewish concept. Um, and the people that Peter was writing to would have been familiar with that. And we saw this last week in the beginning that God uh, called Abraham to be the father of the nation of Israel. They were to be called out of the world. And, and uh, the prophet Amos in the Old tells us that, that that the clan of Abraham was selected from among all the nations of the earth. And, they were to, and it wasn't because Abraham was anything special, by the way. It was, it was just because God, God was, chose this person and, and Abraham and Sarah so that he could heap their grace on them. And they were to be a people that would represent the character and nature of God. And here, Peter is saying that, that Christians are a people chosen by God to represent his agenda here on earth. That, that just as the, the Old Testament people of God, the Israelites, were, were chosen to live in a certain way and to be a certain way, this chosen race, to show the world what God is like. That's who we are. We are this chosen people. We are to live in a way that shows the world who God is. And this is the language that we use in village, isn't it? It's very, not very particular to us, but it's something I think that we, we talk about a lot. We always say it um, in Belfast as it is in heaven. Like, like as, as, as Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We say in Belfast as it is in heaven. In other words, we, we want to live the kingdom of God here and now. That's who we are. We are God's chosen people. We are people of the kingdom of God. We want to live that way here and now. And this is who we are. This is what we've been chosen for. It says we are a chosen race. And now, we, we, we often like to think that we, we're the ones who did the choosing, don't we? We're like, oh, I chose God. I definitely chose God. Yes, it was my decision. And, and yes, you did choose God. Yes, you, of course you did. You decided I'm going to follow Jesus. But only because he chose you first. Jesus says in John 15, you did not choose me. I chose you so that you might bear fruit. We've been chosen by God to be part of his people so that we might bear fruit. And what's our fruit? Our fruit is living in the kingdom way so that we might reproduce the kingdom of God here and now. And that's the first part of our identity. The second part then is, is this idea, he says, you're a royal priesthood, a chosen race, then you're a royal priesthood. Again, this is pretty Jewish, Old Testament-specific language. And so we need to kind of maybe unpack it a wee bit. So the priesthood bit, first of all. In the Old Testament, the, the priests were, were uh, a particular tribe of Israel who were given to the people to, to be a mediator between the people and God. 
What does that mean? It means they were kind of like a go-between, if you know what I mean. They, 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 they prayed for the people. They led the people uh, spiritually. They, they uh, presented the law and, and the scriptures. They, they, they did the sacrifices. They, were, they kind of stood between God and the people. They showed the people, the rest of the nation of Israel, who God is. Uh, they, they were priests. And this is who we are. We as Christians are people who then uh, we've, we've received of God and we present God to the world. We're, so we're priests in that way. But he also says that we're royal priesthood. Now he's not saying that, that every Christian is royalty, but, but we are in a way because we've been brought into God's family and God is a king. So we, are, we, are, we belong to the king, if you like. We are part of the royal family now. So a better understanding, I think, an easier way to understand this phrase, a royal priesthood, is that we are a kingdom of priests, or a kingdom of go-betweens, a kingdom of people. We're part of the God's kingdom, and Belfast is in heaven. Why? To be priests, to represent God to the people. That's what we do. And so we're God's chosen people, we're part of God's family, God's kingdom, and we're here to represent God on earth. And then thirdly, he says, you're a holy nation. Anyone feel holy this morning? You feeling holy? I'm not. But no matter how we feel about it, you are holy. If you're a Christian, you're holy. Not in the sense that we, we always think of holy as like, you know, you're super uh, good living and, and you're very pious and you, know, you never say any bad words or do anything wrong or anything like that. But, but actually what holy means is it just means set apart or separate. We're different. It means other so when we read earlier Isaiah, those, those heavenly beings, beings saying, holy, holy, holy. They're just saying, God, you're so different. You're so other. And that's how we are holy. We are set apart. We've been chosen out of the world. We're set apart. We're, we're separate from the world. We're different from the world. This is why uh, sometimes we feel like we don't fit in. Sometimes it, uh, we, we, we feel a bit of conflict within ourselves about certain things. We're like, that doesn't really sit right with me or... Have you ever felt like being a Christian makes you a bit weird? I mean, I know a lot of you are weird anyway, but sorry, I don't know why I said that. Uh, I'm weird anyway. Um, I was looking at Liam. Um, but have you ever felt that? that uh, being a Christian, that just makes me a bit weird. Like, what? I am weird, you know? Well, you are because we are set apart. We're a holy nation. We're not meant to be like the world. We're meant to be different. We're meant to have different values. And the fourth one is then, we are his own possession. So we're this chosen race. We've been chosen by God to represent him. We're this royal priesthood. We're, we're part of God's kingdom to, to, to present God to the world like priests. And we're holy. We're set apart. But then this last one, this is my favorite one, I think. We are a people for his own possession. We are a people for his own. We are God's own possession. I love that. This word possession here, uh, it's actually a word that would have been used to describe uh, like a Roman slave who was able to earn some money doing some jobs and that he, would, he or she would save that up and, and they would be able to uh, you, you know, maybe buy things that they would treasure for themselves. It's like a treasure. Possession is like a treasure. And, and, and the Bible tells us that we are God's treasured possession. Isn't that amazing? Like this is something out of the ordinary. This is, we are a treasure and a blessing to God. We are the thing that, we are the thing that, that God holds most dear. God, the one who we saw earlier, who, who when, when, when he speaks the foundations of the, 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 the temple shake, that the train of his robe, this, all this imagery of symbolic imagery, like God is magnificent and different, but we are his treasured possession. 
We are his treasured possession. You ever hold somebody that you love and you're just like, you know, I guess sort of even my, my kids, like you hold them and you're like, I, you're my treasured possession. You're worth more than anything to me in the whole world. That's how God feels about you. God's treasured possession. You're his most prized possession. Isn't that incredible? We could probably just spend the rest of the day thinking about that and it would do us all so much good. We are his. He loves us. He treasures us. My dad used to say to me whenever I was young, uh, if you're going out or something, he would say, remember whose you are. <laughs> like, and what he meant was like, you're part of our family, and so whatever you do reflects on our family. Um, and sometimes I, sometimes I think that we fall into this trap of trying to build a lovely Christian community, but we forget to include Christ. We forget that we are his people. We forget that, that we are his his possession. So we try to, 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 to love each other. We try to do all the things we're supposed to do and, and do missional communities really well and, and care for each other. But we forget that the reason for all of that is because we are his. We're his treasured possession. And I just want to be really, really clear. We are not a community for community's sake. Um, I'm not going to go into this in any detail because we did that last week. But but the, the world... The world we can be part of loads of communities that are communities just for the sake of community. And those things are good. Boot clubs, football teams, uh, cycling clubs, whatever it is you're into. You can find a community around that thing. And those things are good and we should be part of those things. But they're just merely reflections or, or shadows of real community. We are a community because we belong to God. We're a community because we are his treasured possession. We're a community for God's sake. We belong to him. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was, uh, he was uh, a German theologian and pastor uh, in Nazi Germany. Um, he stood up for the rights of, of uh, Jews and, and uh, black people and all kinds of stuff and, and was, ended up being, being killed for that. But this is what he says about the, the church in, in this book he has called The Cost of Discipleship. He said, what makes Christian community is not the presence of Christians, but the presence of Christ. What makes Christian community is not the presence of Christians, but the presence of Christ. So we have to remember that we, that we might choose to be part of this thing we call church. And yes, we do commit to one another, but, but we're only that community because Christ is here. And I don't mean in this room, although he, he is with us when we are together, but, but because Christ is in the middle of our community, Christ is part of our community. We are his treasured possessions. That's why we are a community. We're all the same family. We're chosen by God. We're his treasure and his blessing. And we are, we are to do that. And as we are that, we show the world what God is like. This is who we are. And I just want to pause here for a second and cause us to think. I wonder, does, do our lives reflect that? Um, all of these four statements are true, right? If we believe in Jesus, if we're in Jesus, then we are a chosen race, we are a royal priesthood, we are a holy nation, and we are his treasured possession. All those things are true and nothing changes those. And if these things, if these things never change, then the question is, am I living in the reality of that? Do I reflect that? Am I walking in these truths? And Because and, it's easy to not walk in the reality of who we are, isn't it? So I am, part of who I am is a dad. Do I always live like I'm a dad? No, of course I don't. But we find it so easy to actually not walk in the reality of who we are. And it's easy for me to behave like I'm not a dad. 
And same for, for this identity and, and uh, of who we are. It's easy to, to not walk in that, I think. So we need to choose to walk in the reality of that. So this is who we are. We're God's treasure possession. Uh, the main thing I want to focus on today is, is our purpose then. What is our purpose? And if we just go back to that passage in 1 Peter 2, he says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for, for God's own possession. Why? This is what he said, that you, may, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are uh, to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of his marvelous light. It's no coincidence that, that Peter uses the, the phrases he does to describe us because each of those four phrases have an outward focus. And we are to, to reflect the excellencies, to proclaim the excellencies of, of him who called us out of his marvelous light. Um, we have received mercy, and so we show mercy to others. We've received forgiveness, so we forgive others. We were poor and needy, and God provided for us, so we do the same for others. And, and in fact, it'd be weird and wrong if we didn't do that, wouldn't it? So imagine if um, we were up in Ballantoy, uh, the a couple of weeks ago, and imagine if you're up on the coast, somewhere like that, and you're walking along the path uh, along the coast, the rocks are down below or whatever, and, and you're just focusing on the sunset and the sea air and the scenery and the birds and the wildlife and the flowers all around you. And then before you know it, you've wandered off the beaten track and you, get, you find yourself trapped between the tides coming in and what looks like just a cliff beside you, right? And you're starting to panic because it's getting dark. And then uh, you hear a voice above you and it's someone up at the top and he's like, hey, listen, are you stuck? Because I know the way out. I know the way out there, but it's impossible for you to get out on your own. So I'm going to come down and, and, and show you how to get out. And, and, and you're like, no, 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 don't be silly. Don't come down here because there's no point in us both getting stuck. And, they, and, and, and the person's like, well, listen, I know the way out. And before you know it, they've come down and they're with you at the, at the, at the bottom of this cliff. And then this person says, follow me. And then they start to go up this path that you hadn't seen before. It was hidden. And you start to follow them. And you just focus on their footsteps, step by step, you're following them. And before you know it, you've reached safety at the top again. And the following day, you go back and you're walking along. And now you know the path. Now you, now you know if I, I know the way around here. And the next day you're there and you see somebody stuck down there where you were. So what do you do? What do you do at that point? You keep walking? No, of course not. That would be absurd. It would be inhuman. We were called out of darkness to show others the way out of darkness. That's what, the, that's what the Bible tells us. It's a command from Jesus himself. The last thing that Jesus said to his uh, people, his disciples, before he left earth, before he ascended to heaven, it's what we call the Great Commission. And it says this, Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We have this very clear command from Jesus to be missional. We are to make disciples. We are to show people the way of Jesus. We're to show people the way up that cliff, if you like. And, and it's a command, but even if it, wasn't, even if it was just a command, that should be enough for us. But, but it's way more than a command. It's part of who we are. And it's part of who we are because it's part of who God is. 
We don't just share the gospel because we've received the gospel. We share the gospel because the gospel is part of who God is. In other words, we are missional because God is missional. Let me unpack that for a little bit. Um, God in his very nature is, is this communion of, of three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Always has been, always will be. Perfectly loving, perfectly in communion, perfect relationship within himself, three in one. Um, but, but not only is he that community, he is an other-centered community. He is outwardly focused. Each one of the three focused on glorifying and loving the other. There's no part of God is self-centered or self-serving. And it's because of this other-centeredness, that, 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 that overflowing goodness, that overflowing other-centeredness led him to create the world. The world is created. We are created because God is full of love. God is love. God is other-centered. It's, it's just it's pouring over. It's overflowing. It's, it's outward-focused. And then what? God sends his son. God becomes one of us. That other-centeredness, that outward-focusedness leads him to become one of us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God came to in search of us through Jesus. Such was that nature of his that was to, to go, to overflow, the overflowing goodness and the spreading outward of that goodness, even towards us. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for the fact that this is part of who God is. God has always been on mission. And as Christians, we're, we're brought into his family. We've talked about this. We've been chosen to be part of his people. And, and, and just like members of, the, of every family have the same DNA, right? Like it or not, you possess your family's DNA and you're probably a bit too much like your ma or da. Uh, I realized the other day that there's, I'm becoming like my dad in so many ways. I can't remember what it was, but sometimes it just shocks me. Oh my goodness, I'm my dad. Um, anyway, that's what happens in family. We all share the same DNA. And when we enter God's family... We take on this new nature, right? We've been adopted into to God's family through Jesus. And so we take on God's nature. We take on his DNA. We become like him. And so, and so we become other-centered. We become overflowing goodness. We become an outpouring of love and mercy and grace. That's just who we are because it's part of who God is. And so if you are part of God's family, you can't not be missional. It's part of who you are. Part of who you are will become other-centeredness. Of course you'll share the good news. Of course you'll serve your neighbors. Of course you'll love those in need. Because that's who God is. And because it's who God is, it's who we are. If you're part of God's family, you are missional. You can't love God and not love the lost. You can't love God and not love people. We are designed to be on mission because God is on mission. Uh, 1 Corinthians 5, Paul uh, the Apostle Paul writes here, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You're a new creation, completely new. The old has passed away, it's done away with. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Jesus reconciled to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation, what is that? Well, he explains, he says, That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Remember, joining God, the renewal of all things not counting their trespasses against them and trusting to us this message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. We are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us. So that's who we are. 
We have this new nature and we are ambassadors of Christ. You know what an ambassador does? An ambassador lives in a foreign country and lives the values of that country in the foreign country. Does that make sense? So if I'm the ambassador for Ireland to, you know, Nigeria, I will live in Nigeria and engage with Nigeria, but I will be Irish and I will, that will be my identity, but I will be in that foreign nation. We are ambassadors of Christ. So if you believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and you believe that Jesus is Lord and you're a, you're a Christian, then you are part of the church and the church is on mission. You are an ambassador of Christ. You're a new creation. It's part of your nature. It's not optional. If you're a Christian this morning, you are a missionary. See what I mean? You don't have to go to Africa or, or, or South America or Asia to be a missionary. In fact, the church is growing rapidly in those places and declining where we are. So if anything, we need more missionaries here. If you're a Christian, you're a missionary. It's not just something you do or choose to do. It's part of who you are. It's part of who we are. And yes, one day God's mission will end, but his nature of being missional, his nature of being other-centered, that will never end. God is on mission. And it's not, the mission is God, it's not ours. That's why we always say, join in God and renew of all things. I guess what I'm saying is that the church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. In other words, we don't have to go and do something. It's not just as simple as that, or it's not just this actually complicated as that. It's simply that, that God is doing something in the world and he's using the church to accomplish that. And I think sometimes we, we get that the, the wrong way around. Being on mission then should be formational to our communities. It's how we should set things up. We should, we should form our communities the way we meet together and the things we do should be about being on mission together. We should live with open doors and laid tables. There's always space at our table for anyone in need. Our doors always open to anyone in need. We're always ready to welcome the needy and the stranger, to show them the love of Jesus and to, to tell them the good news. That's who we are. That's who God is. And that's why we are the way together. And, and we seek Jesus together, which leads us to want to share him. And we do that together. And, and, and as we receive from God, we in turn then give of God. We don't call them missional communities by accident because that's exactly what they're meant to be. And so that leads us on to this last part. How do we, how do we fulfill this purpose? Because I want to give us some practical examples of what that looks like. If we're not going to go to Africa, we're not going to be full-time missionaries in that sense, what does that look like? What does it look like to live this nature? Well, as much as it's part of who we are, um, it requires effort, doesn't it? You know, it requires effort. It requires intentionality. It requires us to, to be intentional about getting to know people who don't know Jesus. It requires us to be intentional to, about going out of the way to know our neighbors and serve our neighbors. It requires us to make an effort to find ways to love people and share the gospel with them. It's not easy, but it is pretty simple. It's not easy because it requires effort and intentionality, but it is simple when you think about it. And this is what it comes down to. Our mission as a church is simply ordinary people doing ordinary things with gospel intentionality. That's it. Ordinary people like you and me doing the ordinary things that we do with being intentional about sharing the gospel. That's it. Um, so what does it look like? Well, 
what do you like doing? And then do that and invite other people to do that with you. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. Uh, if you like playing football, go and play football and invite your non-Christians friends to come and do that with you. Get to know them, love them. If you're into film, go and watch films and invite non-Christian friends to, to do that with you. Uh, Tim, uh, Tim, for example, he's intentional about every week going to the skate park at the same time uh, just so he can meet people and befriend people who are skaters and, and love them and care for them and tell them the good news of Jesus. That, that's what he does. So pray for him in that. There are other people, other crazy people who are into CrossFit in our church and they get together. I mean, you'd have to be crazy uh, to do CrossFit and they can do training sessions together, invite non-Christians to that and, and share the good news of Jesus and love them. It's as simple as that. It looks like getting to know your neighbors and forming relationships relationships with them, serving them, telling them about Jesus. It's as simple as inviting somebody for a meal or for a coffee. Ordinary people doing ordinary things with gospel intentionality. Listen, just do anything you can to invite people into your community and give them an opportunity to see God working in your life. doesn't mean you have to be perfect. In fact, it would be awful if you were trying to be perfect. It means that as you mess up and as you screw up, you say, well, yeah, I did that, and I'm going to try and make that right. And also, I trust the grace of God in my life that, that he forgives me, that I'm a work in progress. A gospel-shaped community of people who love Jesus, each other, and our city. That's who we are. That's who we are. That's who Village is. And it's part of who we are, and this is where I'm going to finish. It's part of who we are because it's part of who God is. It's because of Jesus. Uh, Mark 10 45 tells us that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We are this way because of Jesus. What did Jesus do? He fed the hungry. He healed the sick. He comforted the sad. He washed dirty feet. I mean, Jesus didn't just beam down from heaven, like, you know, and say, this is the way to know God, and then, like, beam back up again. That's not what happened. He, he, he took on our humanity. He, he got his hands dirty. He became flesh. He, he took on our flesh, our blood. He became one of us and he experienced our frailty and our temptations and our suffering. He even took on our sin and our death. And it's on the cross that the mission of God is fully demonstrated, isn't it? You see, on the cross, Jesus has fully gone. He, he's fully given for us. He, 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 he takes on the thing that, that, that unifies every single human being in the world, death. He takes on that thing that we can't overcome ourselves. On the cross, God has fully come. On the cross, uh, God was fully sent. On the cross, Jesus takes on our death and our punishment. And this is what mission is. This is what the demonstration of mission. It's because of this then that we're sent into the world. Uh, after Jesus had risen from the dead and before he goes, uh, ascends to heaven... He says this to the disciples, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. That's, that's us this morning. As, as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. And so as Jesus entered our world, so we enter the world of others. You're going to have to get your hands dirty. It means meeting, as Jesus met people in their need, so we meet other people in their need. As Jesus took on other people's suffering, so we take on other people's suffering. It means that, that being with people where they are, even if what they are uh, seems strange and, and weird and difficult for us and hard to understand, 
It means crossing those gaps because that's what God has done for us. God, uh, we, God has given himself to us so we give ourselves to others so that we might show them who God is. And that's what we're going to celebrate as we take communion together. You see, when we come to this table, and yes, it's a bit weird at the minute with the individual cups and the little bread and all that kind of stuff, but as we, as we come to this table together, the reason, one of the reasons we should think about this, why did God give us something as like this, like uh, bread and wine? Why did he give us this? Because when we, we come to this table, we receive of God. We receive his presence with us. We receive his grace to us. But, but on the other side of that, we're also sent you see, you can't receive a God without being sent because God is sending. God is outward going. And so we come to the table and we proclaim Jesus' death. We say, remember this bread represents that Jesus died, his body was broken, and the wine represents that his blood was actually spilled. That's, how the, de- the, that's the lengths he went to to come to us. And so we take that, what we've received, into the world what we've received of God, we take out. There's a coming in and a sending out. And this is where I'm really, really finished. Uh, I, I sometimes talk about, uh, and it may be a flawed analogy, but I, it's helpful for me to get my head around it. When we come to the table, when we come to the church gathering like this, it's a wee bit like halftime in a, in a match. Pick your sport. And half time, you know, you come in and, and you come into the dressing room and you might be, you might be like 3-0 down and bruised shins and, uh, and just, you know, shoulders slumped and it's raining and you're covered in mud. Or you might be coming in and you're 3-0 up and you're like, we've got this in the bag, this is going great right now. And, and he, no matter how you're coming in, what you do is you come in and you get sustenance, you get a word of encouragement, you get your oranges and your water and you, you, take, the, you take those things on. But what happens at the end of that halftime? You're sent back out. You're sent back out with that word of encouragement, with that sustenance, to go and keep playing. And that's what we do when we come together. That's why the gathering is so important. We receive of God and we're sent out into the world. We're sent into the world because that's who God is. We are missional because that's who God is. We're missional because God is missional. And so let's remember that it's, not, it's part of who we are. And it's simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. And let's, let's, let's receive of God so that we can uh, give what we've received. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we, we don't really um, fully understand the depths of what you've done. And we just ask for your help to understand that. Lord, even as we receive the communion meal this morning, would you help us to see what you've done for us? Help us to see that your mission was... Uh, fully demonstrated as you died in the cross, as you gave up yourself for us. You gave up your life. You gave up your, your, your deity. You gave up everything. And Father, I pray that we would be encouraged this morning to, to love our neighbors well, uh, to, to not value ourselves highly, but to value others highly. Be sacrificial, to be intentional. Lord, I pray that we would be Ordinary people doing ordinary things with extraordinary results because you are in the results. Father, we pray for all the people that we know and love who don't know you yet, Lord. I pray that they would see you through us this week. Uh, give us boldness, Lord, knowing that we are your people, we're your chosen race, you're this, we're a kingdom of priests and we're a holy nation and that we are your treasure possession. Thank you that your cross shows us that we are your treasure possession. This is the price you paid for us. Help us to, as we've received of you, to give to others.
In Jesus' name, for his glory, amen.